Don't you love it when our appointed readings just go right on ahead and tell you precisely what we are meant to think about together? As a preacher for today, I'm certainly grateful. It feels a bit like a gift, especially in this season of Advent, this time of waiting that we often try to fill with tasks that can catapult us to Christmas instead of remaining in a time of waiting, that our gospel focuses us from its very first proclamation. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And good news indeed, as today's gospel seems to draw our attention to a topic that is neither complex nor contested. Baptism. To be more precise, it seems to contrast two types of baptism, in case you missed that. A baptism by water and a baptism by the Holy Spirit, leaving us to hope, presumably, for the latter. Which leads me to a question. How many of you remember your own baptism? I grew up in rural Louisiana, and my spiritual formation began in a Southern Baptist church. My family was always going to church to be together with our friends, to read the Bible together. We even played a game where someone would call out a random verse, and all of us would flip open our Bibles to see who could find it first and say it out loud, and then we would get points. We would sing together, we'd eat together, we would work together. We did everything together at this church. Our church was a central part of how I learned to be in a community and how I learned what was required of me to remain in community. Central to that belonging was baptism. It was something we heard about all the time, We talked about it in the car on the way to church. The preacher almost always preached about it, and then we would talk about it on the way home again. It was something we spent a lot of time about, and it was clear to me that we needed to be baptized. And not being baptized was just not an option. In the church of my childhood, you ultimately had to do three things to obtain access to this rite of passage. You had to accept believe, and confess. If you could do this, if you could follow these simple ABCs, then you could be baptized, they said. Now, I will never forget the day, the day that I felt the pull in my own soul when I leaned into my own desire to let go and walk forward into the front of this church to make my public affirmation of faith. That would be all that would be needed for me to be baptized with water, a moment that everyone told me would be so beautiful. And yet, in the moment, I found myself struggling to move and struggling to breathe. My knuckles seemed to be glued into the back of the pew in front of me, with my fingers becoming an alarming shade of white. My mind raced and was filled with questions. Was I ready? But I knew that I should be ready because I was already 13 after all and all of my friends had already done this. I was the only holdout left in my group. Did I know what I was doing? Because deep down, I wondered if my soul could be saved because I knew who I really was. And holding that truth alongside the theology that I was taught as a child well, let's just say that there didn't seem to be a clear place for me. Could I make this choice? 
Could I make a choice so consequential even if I felt so conflicted? Then I heard the magic words. The preacher standing in front of the room as the choir sings one more verse. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Won't you come? Won't you come? Urgency won the day. Despite the questions that remained hidden in my soul, I released my grip and stepped into the aisle and began walking on unsteady legs. I made it to the front of that room certain, certain that not every head was bowed and not every eye was closed. In fact, that I was being watched. I spoke in hushed tones with the preacher who seemed so relieved, another soul saved. I made my proclamation. My baptism would be scheduled. Everyone cheered, and I remained conflicted. I wondered how it could be possible that achieving the very thing that everyone told me I needed so desperately could leave me feeling so empty. I think that's why this particular gospel has become such a companion to me in my own journey. The beginning of the good news for though this passage joins the prophetic voices of Malachi and Isaiah to speak of a messenger that cries out and prepares a straight path in the wilderness, it ultimately reveals something unexpected. A wilderness man, by all estimation living an aesthetic, pious life, someone whose charism drew folks from everywhere to be baptized. And in the midst of this popularity, that same man proclaims that the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me, and I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. John's voice has always resonated with me. For though it can seem as a humility or deep connection with a spirituality that understands the coming of something greater than himself, it has always hit my ears a little differently. It's a voice that brings me back to the very questions that filled my childhood mind. It is a voice that brings into question worthiness. And I suspect that voice is familiar to many of us. Perhaps that is why we are meant to consider it this Advent. For each of us, like John, have the capacity to question our worth to assume that what we have to offer is not enough or will never be enough, to assume that what we have done does not measure up, that there must be something, someone, that is more or better qualified than we are. This gospel walks me to this space in my memory, this memory of my own spiritual journey, and that is exactly why I love it so much because we know how this story continues. We know that despite John's proclamation of worth, Jesus will be baptized by John, baptized by water, embracing what we think isn't enough and bringing it into contact with the Spirit, that same Spirit that existed when God began creating, the same Spirit that moved over the deep, beckoning the light, the same Spirit that fell down like flame and erased barriers in division, the same Spirit that is still moving today, changing us, for it must. Coming into contact with God's wild and liberating Spirit always reveals our inherent worth and worthiness. 
That truth is a light that can break through any darkness, a love that is at our core and ever ready, a love that moves us from shame to dignity, liberating us so that we can liberate others. This is what I believe God sees in us, that we are always and have always been enough, that the voices of doubt that sometimes fill our thoughts are not the voice of God's Spirit, that the love that has been poured out on us is never-ending, that our world can be changed, that we don't have to remain trapped where we are stifled by polarization, that hunger, poverty, and war can be ended, and that we have a role in that liberation. Because what we think is our meager offering is precisely what is needed to bring the light of peace in our time. And that really is the beginning of the good news.